Good morning, good morning. If you're new to Crosspoint, my name is Bruce. I'm one of the pastors here. And I just want to add my word of welcome, uh, especially meeting some Upward families. Even had a few karate families here of late that join us during the week. Uh, I know it wasn't announced this morning, uh, but if you haven't heard about it, uh, we have, we're having a harvest festival. If you've got children, we want you to join us this afternoon from 4 to 7 o'clock. Uh, we got bouncers out there. We're going to have food. We're going to have a cakewalk. We're going to have tons of candy, all that kind of stuff. And so please join us this afternoon for that. Um, a number of weeks ago, I did a series called 10 Values That Build Strong Families. And really, basically, what we did is we went through the Ten Commandments. And uh, I ask uh, you every week to fill out one of these communication cards because we do prayer requests. And, and, and the day we dealt with uh, parenting as it related to uh, the children honoring our fathers and mothers, we also talked about parents. Let's not provoke our children unto wrath. And we dealt with some anger issues. And... Um, on that day, I probably got eight or nine. <laughs> Some of you are shaking your heads. Don't have to do that, all right? I know who you were and who you are that said, God, help me with my temper. Would you please pray for me? Help me not to scream at my kids. Help me with my anger because I can't do this thing on my own. And so I thought, you know, sometime in the near future, we're going to preach a message on this. Today's message, look on the screen. Get your outlines out. Taming my temper. We're going to look at the book of Proverbs, the wisest man that ever lived, what he had to say about this subject. Now let me just say right out of the gate that anger is not always wrong. Inappropriate anger is always wrong, but anger is not always wrong. If somebody tried to hurt my wife, my son, my grandchildren, you better believe I'd get angry, <laughs> wouldn't you? And that shows that I love them, that I care for them. And God Almighty gets angry when people try to hurt His kids. It's a natural response. It shows we love them. Something should make us mad. Something should make us angry. I made a short list here. You can add to this. Injustice should make us mad. When you see powerful people at the top being unjust to the, those lowly ones at the bottom, injustice has always been a problem, even in Jesus' day. Greed, human trafficking, child abuse, rape. Not only makes me angry, makes me sick to think that there are people that would do that racism. That's the short list. You could add to that list and go on and on and on. There are some things that should make us mad. Some things that should make us angry. Jesus himself got angry. Do you remember when he came to the Passover and he went to the temple and they turned the temple, the house of God, the place of prayer into a den of thieves? And you all know what Jesus did. He was filled with righteous indignation and he cleansed that temple. He got it back into the proper place that it should be. The Bible says, be angry, but sin, you finish it. Not. It's a Bible-believing group. I like that. You know the scriptures. Be angry, but sin not. Why? Because you always lose when you lose your temper. Not wrong to get mad. Not wrong to get angry. 
But when you lose your temper, you always lose. I don't know who came up with these statistics. I robbed them from somebody. And I don't know how they even got them, but I'm going to read them to you. It says, the average man loses his temper six times a week. The average woman, three times a week. How they came up with that, I don't know, but I'm just going with it, all right? Let's say that's true. Women get angry more often at people. This one really kind of makes sense. Men get angry more often at things. You ever go out, start the lawnmower, and... And it ain't starting. We've all been there. Man, my, my lawnmower is 25 years old, and it still keeps going. But man, I got to... If it doesn't start on the fifth one, I know it's not going to start on that fifth crank. So I have to take the thing off the top, put, pull, take out the filter, uh, adjust the, the, the carburetor, and then boom, usually that does it. If that doesn't do it, I go out and get the starter fluid. <laughs> Fires right up. It can be a pain, though. And when that doesn't do it, it's time to take it in and have the carburetor rebuilt because I don't know how to do that. Women angry at people. Men angry at things like machinery. The car breaks down. The, something doesn't go right. Single adults, this is interesting, express anger twice as often as you married folks. Now there's an argument for marriage, right? You single people that are angry, get married. Fix all that. Men are more physical with their anger than women. That kind of makes sense. Kind of goes with the way we're wired up. And you are more likely to express anger at home than anywhere else. Because we spend a lot of time at home. And I don't know what it is about us, but we tend to hurt those we claim to love the most in our homes. Look up here at the wisest man that ever lived. Proverbs 16, 32. It is better... To be slow-tempered, watch this, it is better to be slow-tempered than to be famous. Some of you were sitting there thinking, are you kidding me? I would love to be famous. I'd love to be on one of those TV shows that everybody recognized my, my name and my face. And No, the Bible actually says the opposite. It is better to be slow-tempered than famous. He goes on. And speaks in military terms. It is better to have self-control than to control an army. Imagine if you could have at your fingertips all the armies in the world, all the military power in the world. Uh, army, Air Force, Navy, Marines. The, the nuclear button is at your disposal. But you don't have self-control. You want somebody pushing that button. It is better to have self-control than to control an army and be all-powerful or all-famous. One day, Alexander the Great, in a fit of rage, struck his favorite general. He hit him so hard that it ended up killing him. And, and Alexander the Great stepped back thinking, I mean, he, he, he was horrified because not only was that his favorite general, it was his best friend. But in a fit of rage, he ends up killing his best friend. And he cries out, I can conquer the world, but I can't conquer my own soul. That's what anger will do. Uncontrolled anger. 
You always lose when you lose your temper. Keep that phrase in your mind. Go home with that takeaway today. So, how do I get a grip on my temper? How do I tame my temper, if you will? If you can remember three things. Number one, and they all start with R. This will be easy. Take your outline notes out. You can refer to those. Remember the result. Reflect before reacting and restrain your remarks. Let's start with the remembering the results. Because... We have a tendency just to react and fly off the handle and we don't think about the consequences. We don't think about what will this action that I'm about to take end up doing. Every time you blow up, there are consequences. Proverbs 29:22, A hot-tempered man gets into all kinds of trouble. That is so true. What kind of trouble does a hot-tempered man get into? Well, marriage trouble, home life trouble, work trouble. Uh, if you're in school and you're hot-tempered, school trouble. If you're driving our California freeways and someone cuts you off and you're a hot-tempered man, it can get you into freeway trouble. I mean, from time to time we you know, hear about that thing called road rage and it never ends well. Never. Proverbs 14.29, anger causes mistakes. Anger causes mistakes. Will Rogers said, people who fly into a rage seldom make a good landing. Any pilots in the audience? I know of two. I fly remote control. I know another pilot in here today that actually flies planes. When you lose your temper, you can lose more than your temper. You can lose your respect. You can lose your health. You can lose your job. You can lose your spouse. You can lose your, you lose your kids. And you know, you can end up losing your freedom. we got a police officer with us today. It's one of our regulars. Baptized him to Christ a number of years ago in Keith Doolittle's jacuzzi. He can tell you that people who lose their temper end up sometimes in jail. You ever watch these police programs and, and somebody's just being a total jerk? And, the, and you can tell the cops are trying to, you know, let the guy go, let him off, and you know, with a warning or whatever. But when they lose it, you can be in jail. Prisons and jails are filled with people that lost their temper and did horrible things. Remember the results. Proverbs eleven twenty nine: The fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. Remember you are more likely to express anger in your home than any place else. Be careful there, be careful there, be careful there. Anger in the family causes devastating effects. Dobson. This tells you how old I am. I, I still like Dobson. Dr. James Dobson. Some of you are shaking your head too. I've, I've got his books. He, he tells a story. Well, actually, it's, it's an article that he wrote uh, entitled, When You Feel Like Screaming. Any parents ever feel like screaming? Well, they did a survey of 9 to 12-year-olds, and, and they really only asked two questions. Question number one was, what do you like most about your mother? And they got you know, a variety of answers. Question number two, what do you dislike most about your mother? And almost unanimously, they said, her constant screaming! She's always yelling at us. Now, kids, let me just tell you something here. If that describes your household, it's probably your fault. <laughs> let me explain. 
Why, why do mothers scream? Because mother has just worked hard on cooking a nice, nutritious dinner for the family. And she's putting it on the table. And as she's starting to put it on the table, what does she tell the kids to do? Get, go wash up. Dinner's about to be served. Go start getting ready for dinner. And what, what are the kids doing? Right? Or they got their headphones on or, you know, rocking or they're watching the TV program and they're on their computer right in the middle of a game of some kind with somebody a thousand miles away and, you know, nobody moves. Well, mom continues and then she doesn't hear any rustling, goes back into the living room. I told you kids, see the voice level starting to go up, start getting ready for dinner. And she goes back, finishing touches on the table and still... It's now starting to get cold, right? You know, you mothers know you want a warm, nutritious meal, and you sweated and worked hard on that, and you look out, and nobody has done anything. And now she's right in there, and she's in your face, and what is she doing? She is screaming! You kids, right now, get in there and eat, right in this second. And boom, you get up and you go. And you know what you moms are thinking? Hey, screaming works. Kids, it's your fault. You've tr- you don't like the screaming of your mother? Just obey her. Do what she says to do the first time, and there won't be any screaming. But moms, you may win in the short term, but you will lose in the long term. Just keep that in mind. You always lose when you lose your temper. So, number one, how do I get a grip on my temper? I've got to remember the results. Number two, reflect before reacting. Reflect before reacting, before you impulsively respond. Calm down. Look at Proverbs 29, 11 with me. Again, the wisest man that ever lived said, A stupid man gives free rein to his anger. A wise man waits and lets it grow cool. You didn't know that cool it was a biblical term, did you? Circle the word waits on your outline. What does that mean? What does that take? That takes time. When you slow an argument down and you lower the volume, things cool down. And the opposite happens if you speed things up and don't take time and that little delay to cool it off. One of the great remedies for anger is delay, just slowing things down. The longer you hold your temper, the more it improves. Thomas Jefferson said, when you're angry, you count to ten. I always wonder who said that. Remember when your parents were raised? If you're angry, Bruce, count to ten. But Thomas Jefferson also said, when you're really angry, count to a (laughs) hundred. What is he saying? Do whatever it takes to slow it down and cool it off. Do whatever you got to do not to do what you were going to initially do. That's what that does for you. Reflect before reacting. Proverbs 12, 16. When a fool is annoyed, now notice the word annoyed. Doesn't say you're wronged. Doesn't say you're harmed. It, it It just uses the word annoyed. Last night, my wife and I were watching TV, and there was something that kept was inside the house. And I go, do you ever hear something buzzing? She goes, yeah, there's something in here. It's an annoyance. It's not going to kill me. It was too small to even see, so I couldn't even do that. 
were watching TV with the lights slightly dimmed in our dining room, or our, what is that place called? My son's old room that we converted back into a den. Yeah. Isn't that nice to be an empty nester? And they leave, and we get the place to ourselves. So we were in that room, and this thing kept going, bzz, 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 an annoyance. Don't let it freak you out, folks. There's going to be people in your life that will annoy you. You've got to choose your battles carefully. You don't got to get upset over every little thing. But when you're just annoyed, and he quickly lets it be made known, you're a fool. Smart people will ignore an insult. For some reason, there are certain people that everything to them is life and death. They can't let the little things go. It just bugs them. They can't ignore it. They're like a small pot that boils over quickly. When you get upset over little things like that, it shows the depth of your character. And it's usually pretty shallow, like that small pot. Proverbs 19.11. Now, it takes it up a notch. When someone wrongs you, see, that's a little bit more than an annoyance, right? You've actually been wrong. You've been insulted. Maybe you've been hurt in some way. It is a great virtue to ignore it. That is a mark of maturity if you can let things like that go. That's huge. The ability to overlook a hurt. Who's the best example of doing this? Uh, let me give you a hint. His, his name starts with J and ends with S. J-E-S-U-S, Jesus. He was libeled. He was slandered. He was crucified. He was criticized. And yet he never retaliated. Not one time. So the whole point of today's message really is to say this. Nothing can make you lose your temper but you. You make me so mad! Don't say that. Nobody can make you so mad that you lose your temper. You choose to lose your temper. It's on you. I mean, if Jesus could get spit in the face and not retaliate, and a little gnat in your ear drives you up the wall, and you fly off the handle, what a contrast. We're called to be like Christ. You need to ask this question when you're irritated. Is this really a big deal? Is this really a big deal? Is it worth getting upset over? Someone said every minute that you are angry, you lose 60 seconds of happiness. And I don't want to lose one minute of happiness or joy in my life, so it's not worth it. Have you learned in life that some things aren't worth arguing over? Just let it go. Remember General George Patton? He wrote a book called Patton's Principles for Managers Who Mean It. And one of the laws in Patton's book is this. Never fight a battle where you don't gain anything by winning. I like that. The Bible puts it this way. When someone wrongs you, you it is a great virtue just to ignore it. 
Proverbs 17:27, people who stay calm have real insight. The word insight really means understanding, doesn't it? When you have insight into something, you, you understand it pretty well. And here's what I would say to moms and dads. The more you understand your children, where they're coming from, the more understanding you're going to be with them. The more understanding you are with your husband, with your wife, the more understanding you're going to be with your husband or your wife. Well, let's give three quick reasons why we get angry. And, and uh, they all begin with because. <laughs> well, because you're hurt. When you're hurt, you get angry. And you know what I found about hurt people? Hurt people hurt people. Have you noticed that? And, and sometimes it's you're hurting physically. Sometimes you're hurting spiritually. Sometimes you're hurting emotionally. And, and then you get angry and you lash out. The second reason we get angry is because we get frustrated. Sometimes it seems like nothing ever seems to work out. Um, have you ever been forced to wait when you didn't want to wait? Have you ever missed a flight? <laughs> And you're thinking, oh, how did I miss that flight? If there wasn't so much traffic here, I would have made that flight. And now I'm going to miss my connecting flight. And you look up on the board, the next flight out is hours away. It's frustrating. And yes, that can make you angry. Or maybe it's insecurity. I'm angry because I'm not only hurt, frustrated, but I'm insecure. And you know what? That's most of us. You know? If we all did a, were real honest and we did a little self-esteem you know, questionnaire, uh, I don't think I'd get too many people saying, yes, I've got great self-esteem. You know, my, the way I view myself is really, really great. No, most of us feel threatened. We feel insecure. We feel afraid. And then to have our self-worth attacked, ooh, that, that, that can send us into a rage because we're already not feeling that great about ourselves. You know, if you have an animal, a small animal, even something like a cat, and you, you corner it, back it into a corner, once its back hits that wall, it will attack. And you know what? So do we. That's us. And I don't want to attack anybody. I don't, I don't want to be that man of rage. I don't want to be angry all the time. It doesn't help me. It doesn't help my family. It doesn't help the world. And I can't do it on my own. Do you see why we need a Savior, folks? We're all messed up. I'm a mess, but I want to be God's mess. How about you? And so we need help in this area. This is bigger than us. We've got to learn to deal with these three, though. And that's what the Bible says. People who stay calm have real insight. They have understanding and so the next time you get mad next time uh, you're you're about to fly off the handle say what is it that's making me mad is, is it that I'm hurt and if I'm hurt is it a physical hurt a spiritual hurt an emotional hurt or is it that maybe I'm just frustrated by the situation and then kind of deal with that talk to God about that or, or maybe it's just that insecurity thing that we all tend to have deal with the issue and then number three, number one, remember the result. Number two, reflect before reacting. And number three, and we'll close with this, restrain your remarks. Hmm. 
The old mouth gets us into trouble, right? Don't say all the things that are on your mind. Especially when you're angry. You will regret it. Proverbs 21-23, if you want to stay out of trouble, be careful what you say. Why? Well, the damage it causes, but number two, you've got little ones watching you. And most of you deal with anger and frustration and temper the way you saw it modeled in your life. From who? Your parents. And where'd your parents get it from? Their parents. And you can just take that thing as far back as you want to go. And our kids model what they see. Tommy Voigt, the professional golfer, was doing a, a pro clinic uh, for some people, and he happened to have his 14-year-old son there with him at the time. And he kind of wanted to show off some of the stuff that he had taught his, his young 14-year-old son. And so he says, hey, son, why don't you show the folks what I taught you the last time we played together? And without hesitation, his 14-year-old boy went over his golf bag, grabbed his 9-iron, and just threw it as far as he could throw it. <laughs> Ooh, Dad didn't see that coming. But you know what? Our kids model what they see. And now being a grandparent, they model what they see. I, I think I'm going to be a better grandparent. I think I know I'm a better grandparent than I was a parent. I don't know what it is about age, maturity, things not always having to, oh, zing me, you know, learn to not be zing quite as much as in the olden days. And I noticed in my father when I had a son, my dad became a wonderful grandfather. And I remember one day going in the neighborhood, and he's pulling my son in a little wagon around the neighborhood. And I, tears came to my eyes. I said, that's the father I always wanted. Hmm. Dad, let's start right now being the father your kids always wanted. Don't wait till you have grandkids. Start this today. Restrain your remarks. Proverbs 15, 1. A gentle answer quiets anger, but a harsh one stirs it up. Question, which one do you want? What kind of person are you? Do you want to quiet anger, or do you want to stir it up? If you want to quiet it, a gentle answer is the best way to go. Here's some quotes on anger. I'm just going to throw them out there quickly. I liked them. Blowing your stack only creates air pollution. <laughs> this is a graphic word picture. Listen to this. A sharp tongue is the quickest way to cut your own throat. <laughs> Let's close with this one. Use sweet words because you may have to eat them someday. We've all been there, right? So what do you do with all that anger that's inside of you? Let's not deny it. We're going to get angry. It's going to happen. We're human beings. we got shortcomings, frailties, weaknesses, and we don't like it, and we wish it wasn't there. If we could push the button right now, we would do it, but we can't. We live in a fallen world. We're fallen people. And so what's the answer? Is the answer to repress it? Just deny that I get angry and every time it comes, okay, I'll just be a stuffer. I'll be a stuffer. Someone offends me, I'll stuff it. Someone hurts me, I'll stuff it. I get my emotions hurt, I'll stuff it. No, that's not healthy. That's not what the Bible tells us to do. The owner's manual for life would not suggest that you just stuff all of your feelings. 
Do you know what the number four, I looked this up this week, the number four prescription written in America is, it's a product called Nexium. Anybody know what that's for? The stuffers, the people that stuff it and their stomachs get full of acid and, and irritated and indigestion and all kinds of stomach problems. 15.5 million prescriptions are written every month for Nexium alone. And that's just one of many of the products in that category of products. So don't be a stuffer. God didn't want you to stuff it. That's not healthy. And, and don't just express it. Okay, if I'm not to stuff it, then whenever I get offended, whenever I get hurt, I'm just going to let it all out. I'm just going to throw up on everybody. I'm going to just be a skunk and spray. No, don't do that either. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the opposite end. That's the opposite of a stuffer is a skunk, right? And, and, you know, you may feel better when you're all done, but nobody else will. You've just upset the apple cart. So what does God want you to do? He wants you to confess it. Confess, God, I, I've got anger issues. I've I got a temper. I, I don't want to be this way. I want to be like your son. When, when he was criticized and when he was libeled and when he was crucified, nothing but love came out of him. God, I want that. So you've got to upload it to him. That's what he's there for. Cast all your anxieties, all your burdens on him. That's why he is there. And if you want a model for uploading, you know, how you're really feeling inside, read the Psalms. Read David. What I like about David is he sounds off to God all the time. And if you want to sound off to somebody, go in your prayer closet and sound off to God. God allows that. Even Job said some stupid things about God. And God wouldn't look and God's not concerned about my life. God's not really, I uh, must not even be in control because look, look at me. I'm a righteous man. I'm perfect and upright in every way. And look what's happening to me. Where are you, God? Well, David kind of did that throughout the Psalms. He would say, God, life stinks. I'm constantly on the run. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. Why aren't you doing anything about my enemies? How come you haven't nuked you know, them yet for me? You, know, you won't let me kill Saul, and I have two opportunities to do so, but I didn't do so, waiting for you to do something. You didn't do anything about it. God, why don't you just take a baseball bat? He doesn't say baseball bat, but he does use this phrase. God, take my enemies and break their teeth. I, when I read that passage, I picture someone with a baseball bat just hitting somebody right in the mouth. Can you see? Ooh. Oh, sweet David, shepherd boy, man after God's own heart. <laughs> really? And here's the cool thing. God doesn't get after David for being honest with him. You can be honest with God. And he, he's not tweaked. He's not ticked. Actually, he, he'd prefer. Hey, yeah, you want to unload on somebody? Upload on me. That's why I'm here. And that's what God wants you to do. Not repress it, not express it. Not to act out, but to give it to God. And God says, get it all out, David. See, sometimes you've got to get all the bad stuff out before God can replace it with the good stuff. You've got to be emptied before you can be filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and kindness and meekness and self-control. Galatians 5.22 says, the fruit of the Spirit is this, patience patience you need patience today your preacher does and the more god is in your life here's what you're going to find the more patient you are going to be look up on the screen do you see this little thing called a, a squeeze it take me to the squeeze it screen you know what a squeeze it is 
Do we have a squeeze it? Is it on the screen? What I'm seeing and you're seeing are two different things. Um, these these squeeze-its are like a little fruit drink. Kids love them. And here's the deal with the squeeze-it. Uh, nothing comes out into your mouth, that fruity, sweet drink, until you squeeze it. Hence the name, squeeze it. But here's the deal. You've got to put pressure on the squeeze-it to make it come out. Well, people are like squeeze-its. What comes out when you're under pressure? You've got a deadline. What comes out when you're squeezed with a deadline? You've got a delay in your life. What comes out when there's a delay in your life? There's a demand in your life. Someone's demanding you. The fingers in your face that I demand you to do this or to do that. What comes out at that moment? We're all like squeezes. And God wants the sweet stuff to come out, not the angry stuff to come out. Doesn't want you to blow up. But many of you are like pressure cookers, ready to blow at any moment. And when you blow up, you get hurt and you hurt other people hurt people hurt people so God wants to pour out the bad stuff replace it with the good stuff how 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 quickly how Christ helps us with our anger by dealing with the root of the anger anger is not your problem anger is merely a warning light on your car uh, mine's got a lot of dash gauges but I got this thing called an engine light on my older vehicle and it wouldn't do me any good to take a band-aid and put that over the engine light and ignore it and act like it's not there. And God doesn't want you to do that with your own life. You've got an engine light. He, he, he doesn't want you to cover it up. He wants you to identify it. A warning light is you're hurting, you're frustrated, you're insecure. So don't cover it up with a band-aid. Number one, he wants to heal your hurt with his love. That's what Christ wants to do. He wants to heal you. And he does it with love. When you stop hurting and you feel God's love you'll stop hurting. You'll start and stop hurting others. Number two, he wants to replace your frustration with his peace. And number three, he wants to replace your insecurity with his power. And when you realize how much God loves you, your insecurity and your anger level is going to go way, way down. And so the next time somebody offends you, somebody irritates you, somebody ticks you off, you can say, well, you know what? I've been reading the Bible and how valued I am and how much God loves me. And if I love me and God loves me, but you don't love me, that's your problem, not mine. Big difference. No offense, no anger, no lashing out. Confidence lowers your temple. Here's your takeaway, and we'll end. To tame your temper, you really need two things. It boils down to two things. You need to understand how valued you are. Don't try to get your value from, from people or power or prestige or money. That's not, your, that's not where you get 
your value. You get value only from God. And when you realize how much God values you, how much does God value me? That much? A cross full? That's how much he loves you. That's how much he values you. He values you more than your own comfort. He was willing to get uncomfortable so you could be comfortable. So, number one, realize my value comes from God, but so does my power. I don't have the power and you don't have the power to overcome this anger, temper thing without God. And so cry out to him who willingly gives so generously. Let's do that right now as we pray. You know, the Bible says it is better to be slow-tempered than famous. It is better to have self-control than to control an army. How are you doing in this area? Do you need a little more patience this week? Would you ask Christ to help you deal with the root causes? Would you say in your heart, Jesus Christ, would you heal me of this hurt so that I could start or stop hurting other people? I'm hurt, but I don't want to hurt others. Would you fill me with your love so that when the world puts the pressure on me, the only thing that comes out is the sweet stuff, your love. Hey, if you've never said yes to Jesus Christ this morning, today is your day. Let him be the manager of your life through faith, repentance, and baptism. You're never going to tame your temper on your own. You need a power greater than yourself to do it. Father, we all struggle with this issue, and I pray that the words that we heard today from your word will be put into practice in our lives this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and sing to the Lord.